0: Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harky Group, Scott Harkey. Welcome to the
1: Rebrand Podcast, where we tell untold stories of world changing brand campaigns as told by the marketers who built them. I'm your host and founder, Scott Harkey of the Harky Group. And today we're going to talk through strategies and best practice for unleashing a new brand identity. I know over the last few episodes or the last few months, we've talked a lot about brand identity, talked a lot about launching brands, talked a lot about brand design. Joining us is Brian Mandelbaum, the CEO of Attain, which is an ad tech data company that houses over $400 billion in holistic spending data from over 5 million customers and 5 billion transactions. Attain, which recently rebranded from Clover, has grown its workforce significantly since its launch in 2019 and has evolved into a fierce, outcomes-driven ad tech player. Having recently partnered with The Trade Desk and OpenX, to amplify their capabilities, Attain is giving MNs lots of reasons to be worried. i have to ask you what RMN is. I'm excited to see Trade Desk, who's a partner of ours as well. So, lots to discuss, Brian. So, here we are. Joining us is Brian from Attain, an ad tech powerhouse, and we're going to get going. He's the CEO. So, let's get into it, Brian. What's going on, bro? So good, man. Happy summer, but we're keeping things going here on the rebrand. Tell me about the company and maybe your background before we get into the nitty gritty. And then I'm going to parking lot that RMN thing. So, but yeah, maybe background and a little bit more about the company.
2: My background's not too interesting. I've been in actually the advertising industry for better part of 20 years, if not more. I started in in the advertising services agency business, like many folk. Where'd you start? I started at Razorfish. Oh, yeah, in, absolutely. In New York City. I started there as an intern, and that was in the early days of advertising when the first banner ads were on Yahoo and New York Times and the early websites that really existed back then were AOL. It was just before AOL and Time Warner merged. Like, this is the really early days of the Internet. And I from there, I went over to Saatchi and then relocated to Chicago in 2008 and worked at an agency here, where I live now, called Kramer-Crasselt and led the, the digital media and overall media business for the
1: agency on a network level. But I love kramer Crassle. I know a lot of people from Kramer-Crasselt. I've hired a ton of people from kramer Crassle. Oh, yeah, because they have an office in Phoenix, right? Yeah, they had a big office in Phoenix and they folded it into another agency in Phoenix. Lane Traveler, right? Yeah, yeah, Lane Terra Lever. Terra Lever. Yeah, yeah, no one gets the name right. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. I've had a bunch of Kramer people CKP people work. They're wonderful, yeah. They're wonderful people. So who was meeting, meeting it when you were there? The agency, yeah. Peter Krivkovich, and effectively, he was my boss. But cool, okay. Uh, Sorry, a little side note, but I'm always just curious. Yeah, extensive ad agency background for sure.
2: Yeah, I've been in the agency business forever, and I've cut my teeth basically the digital space. I left the agency business in 2000 and. 11 to really start my first venture, which is a company called Clearstream based here in Chicago. And that business was a video DSP that used data to basically make better decisions in the distribution of video assets on behalf of basically Fortune 500 advertisers globally. We sold that business in 2015 to the Engine Group, which is a London-based agency, and that was a great exit for everybody. But one thing that I noticed at the Engine Group was that there was this absence of data about to happen in to the ecosystem because of privacy regulation in the European Union, which is classically known as GDPR right now. And I've heard rumblings that there'll be similar regulation in California, which is now called CPRA before that CCPA. What the big idea was, data was going to be a scarcity. There was gonna be a world of haves and have nots of data. And it was all about who had permission to use data. And from that permission, what did they grant the counterparty to be able to do with that data going forward? And I thought there was an ominous vibe happening in our industry in 2018. Apple was talking about deprecating device identification. Cookies were at the crosshairs of the advertising data ecosystem. All these things were now in play that would no longer exist to let marketers make necessarily better, smarter and more efficient decisions. So, I set on a journey with the rest of my co-founding team to figure out how do we take give consumers the an opportunity to really win in terms of getting opportunity from their data? How do we turn data into an asset class to lift communities and individuals up? and turn that data into a way that is super valuable, not only to marketers, but the people that are really doing a value exchange for being giving access and permission in an ethically sourced way to get that data and use that data. So that's where we created a company called Clover. I know we, you introduced us as Attain, and that goes to the whole idea around why we're called Attain today, but the company originally was called Clover. And we picked that name because it was a consumer-facing brand. And we thought that Clover sounded very clever in that it was about using data and data gives you money and that's luck. Well, it's not luck. It's actually science. We figured that out later on, but we had already chosen the name Clover and we felt like that was a really good name to anchor on with consumers because it was memorable. But the whole idea around Clover was to really demonstrate a value exchange to consumers that if you share data in a and give us expressed really transparent permission to use that data. We're going to give you free tools and services to help and to, we're going to give you free tools and services to help you better your financial life. That means banking tools, savings tools, access to your paycheck early, ways to understand what you're purchasing and where you can get it cheaper, credit monitoring, credit repair, Things that really people spend money on, billions of dollars a year on. How do we give that to them for free and use the data as the economy that we are going to value in exchange for those
1: services? That's re- that's really cool. Makes sense. And man, it just there's so much ad tech in the business right now. I just got back from Can, and man, just I was there I- too. you were out there. It's insane. The agencies, the brands, the ad tech, the media companies, all doing different things, but all doing a lot of the same things and all leveraging each other, using certain things. Like I have managed service. We have trade desks. We have different partners all over the place. Brands that are agencies and some agencies are acting as brands now in, in terms of like when you look at Vayner as one example, it just seems like such a cluster of stuff going on. What do you think like your big insight would be for the business, I guess, as a whole? You guys have certainly carved out a nice niche and being on the ad tech side certainly you're going to get much higher multiples than most of us on the agency side on an exit what's your overall insight from can you know last week and just where we are in the business i love what you said about the data and i couldn't agree more and the fact that it sounds like what you're doing is you're taking a lot of consumer spending data and you're matching it up with ad tech for the buying side delivering e-performance marketing is that sort of the deal yeah let's talk about in
2: your introduction you talked about this acronym rmn yeah we were in part to uh, yeah, do that because i think that that talks a little bit about why the our technology exists. RMN is an acronym for the term Retail Media Network, which okay. is a new phenomenon that is growing at a rapid clip in our industry faster than connected television and programmatic as a whole. What? It's going Yep, it's going to be a 60 billion industry in the next 2 years and it's really the reinvention of taking consumers' purchase data at retailers and using it to find the next consumer, sell more products to the same consumers, or expand market share, or create new market for people that haven't necessarily been in that market. And the people that really pioneered that are companies like Amazon, who has their Amazon marketing services, but it's now bled into traditional brick-and-mortar retail like companies like Target and Walmart has a platform called Connect, Kroger and Albertsons. And the list goes on and on to companies like Home Depot and Dollar General. Like There's no shortage of retailers that are leveraging their customer data and what the people are buying, either through their loyalty program or at the register, and optimizing to what we like to call an outcome. Because who better to drive an outcome than the retailer themselves, the people that are purveying the actual item. And it's growing so fast because this is what marketers care about the most, the measurability, the ability to attribute a exposure to a customer to an actual sale, and not just a sale, the value of that sale, and perhaps even the lifetime value of that customer over a long period of time. So when I was at Cannes, piggybacking on the whole thematic around retail media, all we heard From marketers was around outcomes. Metrics like deliverability, viewability, that I'm sure you've heard of, suitability, attention, they're all inputs to one final KPI, and that is a purchase. And finally, we now have technology and data in the advertising technology ecosystem to be able to stitch together an exposure to a bona fide sale. Now, Attain is an integral part of that solution, but the retailers themselves have data that helps fuel that new economy of retail media networks. But every technology competizing space is thinking through how do we put retailing, or let's just call it what it is, selling or sales-based outcomes as part of the solution. How do we turn CTV into commerce media, retail media? Roku's talking about this. Magnite is talking about it. The trade desk has created a new platform called Kokai which is all about introducing retail signals from Albertsons from a host of other retailers into their system and packing it in so that they can have brands basically execute on how people
1: are actually buying and measuring in real time those outcomes. So are you saying in terms of the funnel it's the funnel is all performance marketing now? It's not you don't view it differently. And maybe I'm poking here a little bit, but so I'm going to actually disagree that it's all performance marketing. I think you're using the down it, word. What you're describing, I would say, is performance marketing. I'm blown away and I'm embarrassed that I didn't realize the retail members how much ground go Certainly, I've talked to Target, and Walmart, and Walmart's a client. And I know that the data existing, I haven't realized how easy it is to connect to the digital media side. And sounds like that's sounds like that might be one area you're playing is bridging that gap maybe a little bit more. We, we take a, there's two
2: things here. One is addressing performance media. Ultimately, it's about the performance, but I do believe that the full- still exists. Like it is about the downward inertia of getting a consumer from awareness to purchase and linking that all together is still very much part of a marketer's playbook and never will really change. It, it, it's about the media mix that gets you to that ultimately. More importantly, the retailers know that they have consumers' attention. And when they're shopping on the O&O properties of like Walmart.com for whether it be a Pepsi product or a new bicycle, it gives the opportunity for another marketer to intersect, just like publishers have been doing for decades. And that is retail media at its finest. It's I, Amazon is a Great example of that. It's there's other suggestions that come up, and those are paid for those are paid suggestions
1: or sponsored. And can they be able to attribute a sale based on that exposure? Yeah, it makes sense. I, we've had a ton of Amazon agencies on, and I'm familiar with that platform. I, I've heard the growth of walmart.com and certainly have heard good things about what they've been doing on their at least online store for a while. Okay, we're just it totally makes sense. The fact it's growing faster than connected TV blows me away. That that insight to me like made me stop in my tracks a little bit. If we're going to talk about a Tain rebrand, or like, nah. We're just going to go in this direction because I, I want to ask the questions that I'm wondering what people in history want to really know and have people on to where we are going to feel stupid asking a question like, let's really dive through this and get better because sit through a lot of bullshit and we sit through people talking like they know everything that's going on and at the end of the day, really don't. This is helpful. Maybe any other insights you would have, and I've jumped into another episode and we'll just, we'll keep riffing here and we'll talk about why they rebrand from Attain and still want to dive into a little bit more on what you guys do, but maybe any other insights like that connected TV one was certainly some bull. But what else? You got? I, I would argue that retail media is on a higher
2: growth rate from a channel investment perspective in the digital media space where search was in the mid 2000s. Like search was growing in a rapid clip. Yep. We're seeing that growth in retail media because of the attribution. And search was no different than that.
1: Yeah, this is like a this is the next iteration of search it's almost like it was search and then it was like Instagram, Facebook, D2C just started killing it. And then Amazon obviously came into the scene. I've been hearing so much on connected TV, of course, and, and, you know, programmatic media buying, but it sounds like I agree with you because I'm used to classic CPG where I'm like, okay, media is great, but where's my shelving space, right? What sort of POP and POS do I have? Like we represent the Arizona lottery and we're, I think almost 2 billion in sales, like just put big signs in the window and make us sure we have the best placement in the stores. You know what I mean? The media is the media. But now with everything with so much on Instacart and on Amazon and Walmart.com, having that digital spend and intersecting at the time of purchase on your phone it is the new Instagram, is the new Google search.
2: It truly is. And if you really think about what retail media is, it's no different than actually the footprint of a brick and mortar retailer in a digital world. Now there's a pitfall to that. The pitfall to that is they only see their four walls of their store whether it's online or offline. If you're a purchaser, a consumer at Kroger, and they've got millions, tens of millions of customers coming in every single day, purchasing at their stores across the United States, they only know what those consumers are purchasing at Kroger's. For a CPG marketer, someone who is selling a soft drink or a bar of soap, they care deeply about where they're selling everywhere. And where a company like Attain comes in is we have a very unbundled view of retail media transactions because consumers are sharing a half a billion dollars a day of their spending habits through our platform. We see a transaction that from a consumer, regardless of the retailer it comes from, so whether that's Amazon or Kroger or Walmart or Target or Best Buy or Ulta or Lowe's or Sephora, and the list goes on and on, those purchases don't necessarily happen singularly in one retailer. Your, your Gatorade purchase, may happen at an array of retailers, depending on moment, time, location. But you as a consumer are still the consumer. So it's important because the retailers don't share the data with the marketers. They don't share it with the CPG companies. They own it on themselves. And there's a reason why. Privacy is one reason. Two, it's an asset class. It's a reason why they exist. And it's a growing channel for demand. So it's in the best interest of the retailers to keep it inside of their four walls because it keeps the marketer working with the retailer. However, we have figured out a way to be a little bit more transparent and unbundled and give that view back to the marketers because our relationship is not with the retailers per se, it's
1: with the consumers. We're the ones sharing that data. And the gap in the marketplace is as a CPG brand, you could understand Nielsen would give you your scan data, but it's only your data on your product. Your data on your product, and sometimes not even by retailer, just volume. Correct. It's just a it's volume. Pretty, game. It's pretty bad and
2: it's really expensive. Exactly. We are taking a very modern approach to creating transparency into how people are purchasing.
1: Period. All right, I love this. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring you back and we're going to get into more Attain and this fastest growing channel in our space, which I think we should be paying attention to, obviously. So we're going to wrap it up here on the Rebrand podcast. Big thanks to Brian Mandelbaum, CEO at Attain, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Brian and I are going to dive into all over the place things like we typically do. What did 5 billion in consumer transactions teach Attain? That's what we're going to talk about. And I think you're going to want to hear this. If you can't wait till the next episode, you want to learn more about Brian, of course, like always, i are going to put a link. LinkedIn profile in our show notes. He's on Twitter at Brian, M A N D E L B A U M, or his company website is attainedata.com. I o. Another note in our show notes, I want to tell you about, like always, everything's on the rebrandpod.com. Our show summaries and episodes, information on guests, everything in there is at rebrandpod.com. You can subscribe to our newsletter. You can follow us on all the social channels. It's probably easiest to follow me, just at Scott herky on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're building up the rebrand handles and all that kind of stuff. But for now, we're really focused mainly on the podcast. But thanks for your support. We're growing. Again, we're still hovering on that 5,000 ish subscribers, which we love. I think the downloads were in the hundreds of thousands now. So big thanks to all of you. I'm Because sometimes I don't think the content's that great, but obviously it is resonating somewhere and we are learning and we're getting freaking awesome guests. So again, if you have a great campaign or a great company, you want to be part of it, go to our website and we'll look at apps. We're getting a ton of different people that want to come on. And I've been constantly surprised and excited about the guests we have in the pipe. So that's it for today. But remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot or rebrand.